Here we are again, another episode I've been looking so forward to since it's coming to fruition. I'm Chad Belding. This is the podcast we call This Life Ain't For Everybody. And I hope y'all are enjoying it. We've had a diverse selection of guests and topics and themes. And today we're continuing with our singer songwriter. And today's episode again is brought to you by our friends from Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only the iconic brand of Jack Daniels Americana sour mash whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. And today's guest is somebody that I have been listening to. This is 2021. I've officially been listening to this man since 2005 or six. I've seen him in concert in, in three different states. And his songwriting is legendary to myself. I will not kiss his ass during this podcast, but this dude is unbelievable. And when I found out through a mutual friend that I got to sit down and talk to the one and only Hayes Carl, I say the one and only, and that's kind of weird because the man is two years younger than me and he's already legendary in my opinion. And if you look at his songs, his library of music and his albums, if you go through his discography and look listen to the way this man puts together lyrics i'm telling you it puts you in a state of mind of like the chris knights the ray wiley hubbards the brent cobbs there's there's songwriters out there today that i i think are are on the tops and hayes carl i don't know if that means anything to to you to hear that from just this little duck hunter from the western part of the country but man thank you so much for being here and welcome hayes carl Thank you, Chad. Uh, that means a lot to me, actually. That's that's really high praise and good company, and uh, I appreciate it. Hey, is the one of the best memories or fondest memories I have of you is um, humility um, plays a big role in my um, thought process when I think about you. Um, I don't know how somebody can do what you or like Brent, who's our mutual friend does. And what I mean by that, Hayes, is to tell a story the way that you do in three minutes, three and a half minutes. I, I met you at Crystal Bay Club on the state line casino area of Lake Tahoe, probably, I'm going to say a decade ago, you were opening for the legendary Robert Earl Keene. And, yeah. and Robert Earl is, I think you would agree, he's is the tops when it comes to songwriting. In my, he's one of the best ever, in my opinion, especially for the Texas influence. But I met you at the merch stand that night, and you were just this dude that was like, you were just one of us. You were hanging there, and you talked to us like we had been buddies forever. You're sh- you were shy. But why? why? Why does ego not play a role in what somebody like you have accomplished and the people that you've met, the people that you've graced the stage with, the, the songwriting, the songwriting co-writes that you've done? Why is humility such a big deal to you? And the last thing I'm going to say before you answer that, Hayes, is that if you pay attention to your life on your social media, you're so freaking humble. Why has ego never snuck into your life or has it? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know that ego hasn't slipped into my life. I just, um, but I know that when it has, if I don't check it or catch it, I end up regretting that. Um, um, you know, it's, it's interesting psychologically. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, particularly performers, have a mix of insecurity and and arrogance, um, and 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 it's 
you know, it can be hard to find a balance, especially early on, you know, when, uh, I mean, I'm, I am shy and I am insecure about a lot of things. And I'm also an extrovert in that I like to perform and I like to connect with people. Um, and, and finding a way to do that comfortably that, that, that I could do without, without alcohol or drugs or, or a persona, uh, I mean, or, or, um, uh, a way to genuinely be myself has been, you know, a, a, a thing that I still kind of wrestle with today, you know, um, uh, doing podcasts and stuff is, is always unnerving for me. Inter- doing interviews is unnerving for me because I don't speak in sound bites and, and, um, and I, it can feel sometimes I wonder like what I have to say, is, is it worthwhile? Is it worth anything? And I, I think that it is, but anyway, I'm just I'm getting off track, but it, that's, I get inside my own head about, about uh, a lot of things. <laughs> this will become clear. Um, but humility and, uh, you know, that's, it's hard to have a big ego about your talent when you are out with Robert O'Keefe or when you listen to John Prime or Towns Van Zandt or Brent Cobb or Ray Wiley Hubbard. Uh, you know, I think I'm, I, I think I'm fairly good at what I do. Um, I also think I have a, uh, uh, a perspective on it in that I, I, I've known people who are brilliant at what they do. Um, so I'm not, I, it's not a false humility. Um, I, I think I, uh, I have a fairly healthy ego about, about what I do, but I also, um, you know, I know there are people who, uh, we all have our strengths, um, and some people's strengths are just, you know, at a level, which is, uh, that very few people can reach. And, and so that always keeps me in, uh, keeps it in perspective and keeps things in check. But you have been compared to some of those names that you just mentioned. Has it ever bugged you, Hayes, or your ego um, with the way the segmentation of quote unquote country folk Americana music is in our country to where your talents may or may not be highlighted in the scope that I feel internally or personally they should be. I I do get on a soapbox once in a while, Hayes Carl, self-admittingly of like the world needs to hear Hayes Carl, Brent Cobb. But if you look at country radio or the mainstream, it's always the same thing of what I call cubicle country. And I know I've been, I've been educated now. I've, I've been educated by folks. They're like, Hey, country music is going to do what country music does. But has it ever bugged you at all to where have you ever reached for that? Has it ever hurt your self-confidence that you're not quote unquote mainstream, like some of these country music artists out there when you are as good, if not better than 99% of them going on country radio today. And I'm saying that I'm not saying that you said that I'm telling you that you are. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but no, it doesn't bother me. Just, I mean, uh, again, I've got some, some ego about the, the, the thing, but uh, at the end of the day, what really mattered to me was was writing songs that uh, being able to express myself, uh, my dreams, my fears, my desires, and to articulate things in a way that maybe other people could relate to and connect with. Um, and the way that it was done for me, you know, when I first heard. Uh, Kenny Rogers or Willie Nelson or John Prine or Bob Dylan or, you know, th- these people articulated life for me in a way that I didn't 
you know, that I needed as a teenager, as a young adult. And, and even today, they were able to make sense of things for me. And that was magical. That was, you know, sure. I think everybody has some thought of like, oh, it'd be great to be famous or, or uh, uh, that. And I certainly did at a young age, but I didn't get into music to be famous. I got into music because it moved me and I wanted to, I thought, what cooler way can you spend your life than doing something you love and that, that has had such a big impact on you. And, and I honestly, I never, you know, I never thought, uh, I'm amazed that I'm where I'm at. And I don't, again, say that out of some kind of false humility. I just, I, I didn't, I guess I don't have any resentment about not being a big time country star. Cause I never tried to be a big time country star. It was not, I, I knew early on, I was like, that's, there's, that, that's probably not going to be my, my path. Um, you know, I, my, my voice is, is unique and, and maybe limited in some ways. And my, you know, I'm not a dancer and, uh, um, um, you know, I, I liked the, and probably I just was a little too quirky for that. Uh, to ever be something that was made mainstream. And that's fine. I think there's a there's plenty of room uh underneath that for all sorts of of um music. And and uh I've I've been fortunate to find a a home there and carve out a career and, and do something I believe in and 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 uh you know fortunate to have a lot of people that that along the way have have become an audience and supported me. Growing up where you did um Willie Nelson is probably, is he the biggest Texas star of all time, uh, music-wise, Hayes? Uh, let me just think on that real quick before, yeah. Billy Gibbons, Billy Gibbons <laughs> is big. ZZ Top is huge. But Willie's 87 or whatever years old, and the guy's done it for several, several decades. Like, he's Dolly Parton-esque, right? I mean, he's been there forever. Yeah, I don't know that there's anybody who has, has had more influence. I mean, there's there might be bigger stars in some one genre or another, but as far as uh, as far as just an iconic legend who who has influenced countless artists and genres and 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 just the the music world as a whole, I don't think off the top of my head there's anybody that that could match what Willie has done. So coming up in the area, growing up in Texas, and before Flowers and Liquor, which I love that song, I, I like a lot of the songs on Easy Come, Easy Go. There's so many good songs on the first de debut album. Coming up in Texas before this album's released, when you start your songwriting, who are some other influences that are from the state of Texas? We've mentioned, we've mentioned Robert Earl. Um, is Guy Clark an influence? Ray Wiley Hubbard. Who are your influences that maybe your your family's got you hooked on on the vinyls while you are coming up in your teens and early twenties? Yeah, uh, well, I grew up in a house that didn't have a ton of music playing, um, uh, but the one tape I had was Kenny Rogers' Greatest Hits. I had one of those portable tape recorders. And I I lived with that And when I was seven, eight, nine years old. And that was a hugely influential uh, record for me. Like, I didn't listen to to Lady or Islands in the Stream. But, but The Gambler, Coward of the County, Lucille, those songs had a massive impact on me because... Uh, um, they were story songs that had all this drama and and 
uh, heartache and betrayal and love and death and and wisdom and prison and all, all these things that that you know were catnip to me. It was it was just magical. And then they had these amazing choruses to go with it. And um, I just I love that stuff. So that was my early. Uh, one of the first major early things I got into hearing Willie Nelson was one of my first memories, just hearing him on the car radio. Um, and uh, so I just grew up on country music mostly um, and Texas is sort of unavoidable. And, and I loved it. Uh, I love that story song aspect of it. Uh, then I discovered Bob Dylan and that opened up another kind of world to me of, of the singer songwriter, um, which just led me down a path of, of discovery that I'm still Still on today, um, um, you know, all, all the music is, is connected in one way or another. It's rock and roll or, or country or bluegrass or folk. Um, so it's just fun to see where stuff comes from. But but for sure, my main guys, my Mount Rushmore would be Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan, John Prine, uh, and probably Townsman's the answer, or, or maybe Chuck Berry. Um, which, uh, I love that early rock and roll stuff. I do as well, but most you said you didn't come from a house that's playing a lot of music. Was there any musical instrumental influence? My dad played the piano, the drums, the guitar. My brother picked up the guitar. I didn't. I love to drum, and I've been threatening for years to take better lessons and become more, um, you know, a, you know, just better at it. I want, I want to be more consistent at it. I can keep a beat a little bit, but drumming is so awesome to me, but I've never taken the time to learn. Where does your, where, do, how does this happen? Hayes, do you pick up a guitar on your own? Is it a friend that's got one in his garage? How do you, how do you pick up a guitar and the instrument part and then the songwriting part? Yeah, I, uh, uh, did not have a guitar around. I haven't had an uncle who was in prison for most of my life. Um, uh, who played guitar and sang and, and he claimed that, that he, um, played in garage bands with, with Kenny Rogers and Mickey Newberry, uh, growing up in Houston. Um, but I, I spent very little time with him. Um, and, uh, like I said, I didn't really know anybody that played music. I grew up in the, in the suburbs and it was, it was, um, uh, I just didn't know many people played instruments. And I went, uh, I saw, we went to the Unitarian Church occasionally, and I saw this folk trio performing Bob Dylan songs. And I was 14, and, and it just blew me away. It changed my life. Uh, there was something in the power of these songs that I'd never experienced. I'd always sang country music. I was a ham, and I liked to sing along. And, you know, we'd be on the on the bus to football games or basketball practice or whatever, and I had a buddy that, you know, we would just hold everybody hostage and, you know, singing every country song we could come up with, but it was just for fun. Um, but when I heard Dylan, I said, I, I, I saw this path of, of expression. that was uh, really exciting to me. So I asked my parents for a guitar and that Christmas they got me one. And, and, and so I just sat down with a Mel Bay songbook and started learning how to play. Wow. And so do you remember the first time pencil went to paper or pen went to paper on your first attempt at pinning a <laughs> pinning your own song? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I tried to write some before I learned an instrument. Um, I, I just, I, 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 I was really drawn to songwriting early on or just storytelling. 
And I wanted to be a writer in some capacity. I didn't know if it was going to be short stories or novels or songs. Um, but I had written some things. And uh, it's funny. I do a show now, like a weekly live stream. And uh, I've been pulling out a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. You know, we just talked about Kenny Rogers, like I pulled out the other day, uh, Coward of the County, and just talked about like why that song meant so much to me. And 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 it's fun to get to examine those uh, influences. And then I also have been pulling out songs that I wrote when I was 15 or 18. And and uh, it's it's a little embarrassing, but also it's it's really fun to go back. And, you know, I remember that kid. I remember that 15 year old trying to sound like Jimmy Buffett, trying to um, sound like Willie, just trying to have something to say and figure out how to say it and find my voice. And so it's it's fun when I go back and I can see those, the elements of an, of an artist forming of a, of a person finding their way. But yeah, I remember, I remember my first songs for sure. When you, when the second album came out is when I, really got hooked on you big time. I don't know if you hear that a lot, but the album, yeah, to me, yeah. the, the album to me of, with of little rock is truly amazing to me. Every song, the first song on that album, do you, are these all co-writes? Are these all you by yourself? Because when I hear that first line of shooting stars and whiskey bottles, it just puts me into a place of where I've been, I want to go back. I look for, I look forward to it again. Like when you start to write that very, that you, I don't I'm not saying that you wrote that song first for the album, but it is the number one track. How does a song like that come about? It's one of my favorite Hayes Carl songs of all time. I just love the flow of it. I love the tempo. I love the, the chord progression in it. What is, what does that song mean to you of, were you going through a time of like, man, my life is a party. And if I don't calm it down a little bit, or if too much of a good thing can really be toxic, what is that song trying to tell me? Yeah, it was, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm proud of that one too. And, and it was, uh, when I got out of college, I, uh, I went to college in Arkansas. And then I'm, and then I went and detasseled corn in Iowa for a summer, trying to make a little scratch. And I moved down to Crystal Beach, Texas, which is uh, on the Bolivar Peninsula. It's just this redneck Riviera, kind of the, it's like 20 miles long, a half mile wide. It's, it was the cheapest beach in America um, at the time, probably still is. Um, and uh, I moved out there and spent about four or five years working uh, jobs and then finally started gigging at the bars out there. And, and that song was, uh, uh, I ended up making my first record and then was writing for my second one. So I'd done a little bit of touring. So I had this kind of ex life experience between my first and second record where I was starting to play music a little bit. I was, I was running into frustration, not with not being famous or not being a mainstream country singer, but frustration with my career in general, because um, like that first record, Flowers and Liquor, I think we sold 56 copies the first week. And then it just didn't do very well. Um, and so I was, I was not complaining, 
but I had I had seen some things along the way of um you know there were there were parts of the country and parts of the business that that weren't really welcoming to um uh you know aspiring singer songwriters it just felt like um I was kind of getting kicked down and I, I couldn't get up the way I wanted to um uh and and that that time and place I was living on the beach I was drinking a lot uh I was playing music six seven nights a week four hours a night doing covers covers at these bars where you know they would there was no clapping there was just you know you just hope they didn't throw a beer bottle at you and kind of um thing and it was fun uh but it, it was very much a uh I lived in this really isolated area where I was the only full-time resident during the winter like in the summer it was a madhouse and in the winter it was a ghost town and so by the in the winter I'd just be there by myself sitting on my porch with you know raccoons or whatever animals came up on the porch and and uh um so it's just this a lot of time for reflection and I would look out on my yard and then and then we were third row from the from the water and I just that line shooting stars and whiskey bottles all scattered across the yard uh popped into my head and I just started writing about my life experience during that time do you at that time though you had already been named obviously awards are awards and critiques or critiques but you you're like her name like top artist new coming art you know up and coming artists there's there's things being said about you after flowers and liquor in 2002 that are positive you're not feeling it does that does this album in 2005 like bring your confidence level to a new place because to me like it's just like a totally new Hayes carl of of down the road and little rock and these songs are just mm -hmm. so like like they demand your attention and they keep your attention and here i am 15 years 16 years later now almost still jamming that album did you know it at the time you started pinning these songs no i didn't i mean it was it was a. Uh there was very uh, little that was certain at that time. And I, you know, I'd gotten a few awards from like the Houston press. And so I was locally, I was doing okay, starting to draw a small crowd, but outside of that, I mean, I, nobody came to my shows. I had, I had almost no audience and I toured nationally. And it just, when I say toured, I mean, I drove around, went into a club, two people showed up and then I slept in my car. So it was, it was, it was not working out career wise where I think, which is, I think where some of the, that angst from that, from the next record came from is I was out there busting my ass and I just, I couldn't hit a lick. Um, and, uh, and this, so I made that record, um, and was going to put it out on a label. I had a couple offers and then I just thought, um, you know, I grew up reading books about how the music business screws you over. And, and that had always been really important to me to own as much of my stuff as I could with the publishing or my, or my actual recordings. And I just made a decision to do it on my own. So I met up with a guy who became my manager, uh, and we worked together for a long time. And we just put the record out on, I formed a record label and, uh, called Highway 87 Records and, and put that out. And nothing happened really at first. I remember I played a show uh in dallas and maybe you know 30 people were there for my, my record release and then a couple months later i got this call from khyis this big radio station in dallas and they said man we've been playing this song down the road tonight 
and it's the biggest, it's like a hit, you know, for you know, regionally. And they said, it's the biggest song we've had since the road goes on forever and the party never ends Robert Earl Keen's song. And I was like, that's, that's okay. I, sure. I didn't know if I was getting pranked or whatever. And he said, man, we're playing it like eight times a day. People love the song. And he said, we want you to come down and play this uh, event we have uh, in South uh, at South Fork Range where they filmed Dallas, the TV show. And uh, it's this big annual thing they did. And I went down there and he said, bring a band, which I didn't have. I didn't have a band, never played with a band. And I'd never played that song down the road tonight. There's a bunch of words I just made up in the studio sort of as a writing exercise. And I thought it'd be fun. So I recorded it. I'd never played the song live and I'd never played with a band. And he said, you got to play that song or there's going to be a riot. And I show up with a band, all the lyrics written down on paper, spread all over the stage. And I walk out and there's, I don't know how many thousand people out there. And we start this song and it was the coolest thing. Like, like, you know, guys are holding their babies up in the air and everybody's singing along and like word for word, they had been jamming the song for months. I was oblivious. I was living in the, at the beach. I didn't even have internet uh, at the time. And um, this was all happening. Said, this is crazy. Like, I, I, I don't know what to expect. And I, I, the next time I came to Dallas, like I, I had an audience all of a sudden. So now I had a little bit going on in Houston, but now Dallas and North Texas turned into a really good market for me. And then that record ended up getting the number one on the Americana chart, um, which, which just gave me a little bit more national presence. So all of a sudden I had, I had an audience uh, that was, that was expanding rapidly. So there was a huge difference between that first record, us playing for 30 people in folk clubs or five people in folk clubs. So now all of a sudden I was playing for, you know, two, three, 500 people a night. Um, uh, with a with a record that I put out on my own, I want to get this right though. So when this record station or when this record music station calls you, they say, "Get up here! You have to play down the road tonight, or there will be a riot." You walk out. You are you headlining this? Are they are they selling this show as Hayes Carl will be here, or is it more of a festival to where you're just part of it? It's more of a festival. So like Robert Earl probably was there. Ray Wiley was probably there. They just would take like fifteen or twenty. Um, of the artists that they played heavily uh, and, and go down there and, and do it. Chris Knight probably done it before. Um, so it would just depend every year it would change, but that year they invited me to go. And, I, and uh, I, you know, I just didn't have any experience with that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know some of the stuff even existed. So it was, it was, it was, you know, there's not many moments I can look back and go, that was a really defining thing, or that's where I got a break um because so much of my career has just felt like it's been very gradual but that was absolutely a moment that um uh you know i, I went from zero to 60 pretty quick this is that movie moment hayes carl that you see in a star is born you see it in baseball movies you see it in uh the blind side where all of a sudden Wow, look at this. Like a star is born. I'm not saying that you ever considered yourself a star, but that song made Hayes Carl's name known to a lot of people, including us clear out here in Nevada, right? We're we're jamming that song, maybe not right at the same time the Dallas folks are, but when it got out, we were jamming it. And then Little Rock came, and then I wish I hadn't stayed so long, and then the whole album, and then it was like 
sitting on the edge of your seat that might sound a little dramatic but we couldn't wait for more like give us more Hayes Carl but what's being said at that time are you are you hearing DJs say your name are you hearing crit- critics is Rolling Stone is are these magazines what's being said like what you you probably you don't have internet but you probably are getting wind of some things you're being compared to people are people loving your songwriting what are, what's being said about Hayes Carl in 2005 six? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I can't really remember, but I, I, I definitely felt the shift and, and, you know, one of the things about that record that I kind of skipped over, but I, he asked me if I was co-writing stuff on my first record, I didn't co-write any of it on my second record. There were two co-writes, three co-writes. One was with one of my really good friends named John Evans. Um, the other second one was with Guy Clark. And the third one was with Ray Wiley Hubbard. And uh, I was really fortunate to get to, you know, some of my first co-writes were with these legendary songwriters, like Guy and, and, and Ray. And uh, so I think because the record sort of did so well independently, um, people started taking notice. And, and it was maybe a, a, a different sound than was coming out of Texas at that time. And I don't I don't mean to, uh, it's just, it just was sonically different than what a lot of the kind of singer songwriters or country guys were doing. And, uh, and then the fact that I had written with, with Ray and with Guy, I, I think maybe people viewed me as uh, not just one of a hundred songwriters coming out of Texas because there are a thousand songwriters. There's, there's a, a bunch of them. Um, a lot of whom are, were amazing. Um, but I, I think, uh, maybe critics and stuff kind of connected me to this past tradition in a, in a, in a way that they weren't doing with other people because of that connection with songwriters like Guy and Ray Wiley. Um, so I think it just, it, it, it definitely raised my profile. And I think people like, like you said, maybe were interested all of a sudden because like, we never heard of this guy. And all of a sudden here he is writing with Guy Clark and, and, and has some pretty cool songs. You you kick it off with the song that I told I asked you about when whiskey ball, shooting stars and whiskey balls, but before you get to the upbeat down the road, which I feel in my in my Hayes Carl knowledge is really what put you on the national scene that song and you already said that it that that's what was going on in Dallas. But there's there's take me away now. This sounds like a Guy Clark song to me. I'm at I want. I'm not saying that Guy wrote that song with you, but I know that you've co-written with him before. But take me away shows the side of Hayes Carl of sitting on that same porch that you saw the whiskey bottles on You're three rows back from the, the cheapest beach in America, but it shows this side of you that you got sentimental thoughts of life, women, love, affection, compassion, breakups, like what, what really goes through a man's mind. It's all. And I'm, and I'm where I'm going with this Hayes Carl is that Brent Cobb commented to me once that, one of the most perfect country or Americana songs ever written was Anyway, I Love You by Guy Clark. This song to me is not just comparable, but it, it, it's kind of, it, it almost sounds or is saying kind of the same stuff. I don't know if you agree with that, but that song, do you agree with that, that that's almost a perfect song written, Anyway, I Love You by Guy Clark and Take Me Away, is it comparable to that song? I don't know if that question even makes sense, but I freaking love Take Me Away. Well, thanks, man. Uh, I, I loved it too. And, um, 
it was, I think, the one song on the record that I didn't write. It was um, my friend John Evans, who I was talking about before. We used to hang on the beach all the time, and and he lives here in Nashville now, actually. We um, and he was a, a collegiate quarterback, and then and then played uh, semi pro ball uh, uh, in the like the Europe League, uh, and then and then transitioned into being a a songwriter and a great one. And um, he co he co wrote that with Adam Carroll, who's another one of my favorite songwriters. I don't know if you're familiar with Adam, but Adam is brilliant and. Um, anyway, John played that song for me and John did it like very rock and roll, very Beatlesy, um, just completely different. And to me, it was just this beautiful ballad, uh, you know, full of longing and with these great lines. Uh, um, uh, I'm a two time loser with my guitar and my gun. You're a mover and a shaker and I love lover in the sun. Um, uh, yeah, it just it, it really moved me. So I, I I tried to put my own spin on that, and um, um, and was just really happy with how it came out. And to me, what was a really cool thing was during that session, the the woman singing harmonies on that track uh, is now my wife, uh, oh, Alison wow. Moore. Um, you know, it, it was that was I recorded that in two thousand four. We got married last year, so there's a lot of road in between that moment. And uh, I was getting married, but uh, um, so that song has special uh, has a special place for me because of that because that was the first time I ever got to sing with my wife. Wow, that's rad! That's awesome! And congratulations <clears throat> on the marriage. And does it irritate you? Or let me start this by saying this: like it pisses me off that I didn't know that you wrote that song. Like, did I not do my homework or do I get a break from Hayes Carl because you wish you would have wrote it because it's that good of a song because it sounds to me like Hayes Carl songwriting. Oh man. Well, you know, that's, uh, I just, I think we're uh, in agreement that it's a cool song and, uh, I just take it as a reflection of, uh, I take it as a compliment that you thought I wrote it. And, um, there was a time early in my career where I, I might've just let you, go on believing that, but, uh, I, I gotta give credit to my, to my guys. And, um, um, but you know, a lot of the songs that I've covered, I don't do a ton of covers, but the ones I have done, uh, I mean, I feel like I, I, I don't just pick a song that is great. I, I, it has to feel like it's, it's me in a way. And I have to feel like I can add something to it and make it my own. Um, I don't want there just to be some outlander outlier, song where like okay well that's cool but that's where did that come from and and you know i mean if i wrote it that's one thing but if it's a cover uh it needs to be something that that when people hear it they go they feel like that is a haze cross song so um you know there's there's a long tradition uh in in what i do of of people recording their friends songs or recording songs that they love um and you know i'm first and foremost a songwriter uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy to record other people's songs. I don't, I'm not one of those people that says it all has to be mine. Uh, if I hear a great song and I think I can do something with it, I, I, I will. Well, this is a little bit of off task because I was going to talk about the next track because this album means so much to me. But if you say that you're not afraid to record other songwriters, singers, lyrics, is there one off the top of your head right now if you're on the Jack Daniels hot seat 
of Brent Cobb that you would record with pleasure and confidence to put on a Hayes Carl album? Want to record one of Brent's songs? Yeah, is there one off the top of your head that you know that you love and that you would, wouldn't mind having on your album? Man, oh. uh, I like I like to keep them on their toes. I, I like so many of Brent's songs. And I haven't sat down to, to play them. Brent's a much better guitar player and, and probably singer than I am. And um, I just really, really like his style uh, of doing things. And, and um, uh, but I haven't sat down and like tried to learn any of the any of the songs. And so I'm not sure which one I would um, cover. But I, I like to keep them on their toes. I like that one I, that he did on your podcast where he started the show off with it. I'm forgetting the name of it. It was it, him and his friend sitting okay. around trying to solve the problems of the world. Solving problems. Yeah, that that is just so natural. And that's the kind of thing I love where you can just, it feels like a conversation. It feels like something that's always been there. It's not forced. Um, and it resonates. It's not, you know, he's just throwing stuff out trying to be profound and it hits or misses. It, it's, it's, it felt 100% real and happened to be really good. And uh, when you can, when you can strike that balance, um, that's that's something that gets me excited. I I, uh, I I love that, and those are the type of things I like to cover. Because when you're when I played your music for him, and I've known I know Brent's Cobb. Brent Cobb has heard you a ton, but when we played your stuff on the way on this road trip a couple weeks ago, you know how you get when you're with a buddy, and it's I do this like man, wait till you hear this song. I'm not that uh -huh. guy. I'm not that guy that's going to be like. Hey man, I've been listening to Hayes for years. Can't believe you finally found him. I'm not that guy, but when I get excited about a song, I'm that dude tapping my buddy's shoulder going, dude, wait till you hear this shit. This is unreal. Right. Well, I'm looking over in my passenger seat, Hayes, and I'm looking at Brent Cobb, who is a very qualified songwriter, and he's tapping people on their legs in the back seat going, wait till you hear this wild as a turkey, and then freaking down the road, he's like, have you heard this one? And he's so passionate about your music he's so excited for others to hear it that might not have as much as him or even at all to me that's a badass deal for you to understand that your songs are hitting people like brent cobb because brent cobb's an amazing songwriter and he's quite he's he's accomplished quite a bit in a short period of time mm -hmm. like you have but it was funny to see it was awesome i should say to see brent cobb being like man and he, he had the, and I'm, I'm telling you that that to tell you this it was the same way with Chris. When I played Chris's stuff, he was like, man, wait till you hear this rural route right here. When you hear rural route, like he self-admittingly has cried in concerts when Chris sings rural route. But when he's, when Chris was playing it on the radio that day, he's tapping people going, wait, wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear this. This is the shit, mm -hmm. right? What does that make you feel inside to have somebody like Brent Cobb or, or does it, does it make you feel like you've done it? That these songwriters see your magic? You know, it's it's a really special thing for me, and it's something I hadn't really been aware of until fairly recently. And Brent was one of the people that kind of made me realize that there are that I that there are some folks out there that view my stuff that way, which is really special because to me that's way more meaningful than some award or something. Because, like I said, I got into this because I had I felt that way about songwriters i felt that way about todd snyder i feel that way about john prine i feel that way about uh brent stuff i mean there, there's there's so many people that got me excited and passionate about what they did and the way they used language and the way they used their voice um 
it's just powerful. There's nothing like it. So that's why I got into it. Um, and it's hard to see when you're in it because you're just trying to, for me, I was just trying to find my own voice. And it was a long time before I could step back. Even, uh, even having some success, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that meant that there were songwriters that were feeling influenced by me or, or were, were responding with that same excitement about my stuff that I had about other people's stuff. So uh, I got together in a room with, with Brent not too long ago. Uh, and uh, a couple of times we've hung out. We were on a cruise ship uh, doing a music cruise uh, a couple of years back. And then, and then we tried to write a song last year. And, and both times he's just been very, very um, uh, kind and, and, and shared with me what, what my music meant to him. And uh, it's, it's strange on one hand, because it makes me go, Oh, I'm, I'm a bit older than I <laughs> realized. I remember when I was a young kid getting super psyched and, and now uh, I've had some people kind of tell me that that's how they felt about my stuff. Um, which is, it's really cool, um, to just feel like you've left a mark on, on, on anybody's life, but particularly people who are in turn creating really cool stuff that I admire that, that makes me feel good. I think another sign of it, Hayes, is that you have people that are in their sixties that you write with some in their seventies that jam your stuff. I'm 46 and i I say this all the time that there's very few musicians that I have to listen to every day, literally every day before I go to bed. And you're one of the three. Then you have a guy that's 10 years younger than me, 13 years younger than me and Brent Cobb that love your stuff. And then I have a 21, 20, excuse me, 22 year old producer here from the state of Georgia that literally jams your stuff all day. So that's a, that's a pretty good range of a guy that's only 44, which is still very young in life, let alone in music with your library, I'd say that that's pretty freaking cool that it spreads out that far of the influence you have and people that want it in their eardrums and their brain on a daily basis. So I think that's a badass accomplishment for you. Well, thanks, man. I, I you know, I, I just feel fortunate to have any fans and, and uh, I, I like to hear when, when younger folks are, are into it because, you know, where I've sort of been a niche thing i'm not i'm not on mainstream radio i'm not on cmt i'm not on a lot of these things that people consume their music from but um uh but i've, I've been fortunate to to have an audience and and uh um i don't know I, I i i love seeing younger folks get into it it gives me hope like i can continue to do this for a while even um even when my older folks die off <laughs> <laughs> i used to go to england all the time and my audience over there was like 70 to 80 year old dudes. And I was grateful. And I told them like, you know, anybody that pays money to support me or just supports me in any way, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I was like, can y'all start bringing your daughters or your granddaughters to the gigs? Cause this is my, the audience is dwindling, you know, every time I come back over. And uh, uh, so it's nice that uh, when, when younger folks are getting into it. You have, you come you come into down the road tonight then you have a song called hey baby where you been then you have little rock which i'm pulling on this highway they've been working on for years just such a clever way the whole song has so many clever lyrics to me and i i asked somebody the other day i said what is the most the best 
Arkansas song ever written because you got Little Rock by Reba, you got Little Rock by You, you got Little Rock by Colin Ray, which I've seen him perform live, a hell, heck of a vocalist. Um, there's a new song called Arkansas by Chris Stapleton that's pretty badass. But I say it's Hayes Carl's Little Rock. It's it's I, I love the line about selling VCRs at a Walmart and, and the whole idea of what Colin Ray does in that song. But this mm-hmm. song has got unbelievable lyrics. You I want people to understand these songs that this is all on the same record. Then you go right into Leave Here Standing, which is a genius song that is so well done. Um this is all in 2005. This is on that album where the country, the country music station in Dallas is saying, hey, you got to come up and play down the road. But man, Hayes, you've already got a whole set list in two albums right now, but without even any covers. Like, do you even know at this time, like how powerful these songs are? Obviously you don't because people are jamming down the road. In your soul, do you feel like, are you kind of like Chris Knight? Chris Knight told me on this podcast, I won't put a song on a record that I don't think is my best work, my most powerful work. Do you feel that about every song? Because I just named a ton of tracks on that one album in 2005 that are awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, uh, well, first of all, the Arkansas stuff, you know, I went to school in Arkansas and I would drive up all the, all the time from Houston to, to Conway, just north of Little Rock. And that's what that song was about. I just, you know, eight hour drive, you know, seven if I was hauling ass and just didn't have AC, listen to the radio and chain smoke and, and try not to get pulled over in the speed traps. And uh um uh and a lot of the songs, really all the songs on that record, for well, I guess with the exception of one, were about my life, uh, whether it was losing a friend to drugs, um or trying to make it in the business um, or about all my high school buddies and where they ended up or, or um, about being in love. Um, um, and so, you know, and I, I was proud of that record, but no, I had no idea how it was affecting people. And I had no idea. It's, it's hard to know in, in the moment um, how something's going to hold up. And so at the time there are songs that, I thought were great at the time. And now I'm like, oh, okay, that's, it's held up okay, but it's not my favorite. And then there's some that have grown on me. Um, but but there's there's three or four songs off that record that I, I think hold up with anything I've ever done and, and I'm very proud of. And and it it, it was cool to see it find an, find an audience. Um, I just, again, remember going out and having audiences for the first time, like uh, of any size, and they were singing along to the to long way home or to wish I hadn't stayed so long and that was just incredible to me that these words that I'd written for myself really to see other people have an emotional connection to them uh was gold so to to back this up you come out with a song that leads off the next album that is one of the ones that I have to listen to continuously I hope that I'm not wearing you out by telling you how much I listen to your music, but it is a true story. <laughs> no, my my brothers, Clinton Clay and I, like, I am so irritated that you haven't been here in a while. Um, COVID, all this stuff going on. I know how it affects. I love watching all of your stuff you've done online, but Drunken Poet's Dream, which mm. has been on Yellowstone, correct? Yeah. Yeah. we got a couple songs in Yellowstone this year and that, that was one of them. Is that a big deal to you? Because I, Cody Cannon's been on here. I love Whiskey Myers. Do you love Whiskey Myers, Texas band? Yeah, man, they're great. They're, they're awesome, great. right? Do shows with them back in the day before they blew up. 
they they're on Yellowstone. Hayes Carl is on Yellowstone. Bingham's on Yellowstone as an actor and a, in some music, I think. Um, yeah. Is this is this keeping you in the mainstream? Is it help to have that? And I'm asking as an education process, educated mm-hmm. process right now. Does it keep you out there? Does the, do the, do the, the searches go up? Do the impressions go up? Are people searching these songs more? Do you see an influx when these episodes air with the, one of the biggest actors of our generation and Kevin Costner? Um, mm-hmm. Do you see a, 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 some help being given to your music career when you get this yeah. placement? For sure. For sure. I mean, there's, I've had songs in TV shows or movies that that didn't move the needle at all, but Yellowstone's a hugely popular show, and that music uh, that they use is all from this sort of alt country Americana uh, roots rock. Uh, it's all left to center in a way. Um, uh, it's, there's very little sort of mainstream down the middle, um, you know, pop stuff. It's it's Sturgill and it's Bingham and it's Tyler Childers and, you know, just all, all sorts of folks. So, um, and, and it's, uh, it's just doing really well. So when you get on a show like that, um, there's an audience there for sure. And then, and then you can see the numbers and, and like, um, you know, the Spotify stuff and the streaming. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, I'm not going to retire from being in that show, but it, but I definitely feel, um, uh, for a while, a little while anyway, at least uh, uh, some some extra eyeballs on you, and and, and um, it feels like um, it can keep you keep you out there, keep your name out there in a time where it's kind of hard to do things to get people's attention. Do you feel that it's better to live by another Brent Cobb lyric on his new album called "Shut Up and Sing"? Do you abide by this? Do you believe in this theory when it comes to politics? Because when you start messing with Hollywood and country music and Americana, you're going to have all kinds of influence from all different ways in, in life. You're going to have people that are far left, far right, red, blue, doesn't matter. I'm not here to talk politics. Do you have this feeling too of, hey, get off the soapbox, check the ego at the door and just sing and entertain the people? Or do you kind of sit back and go, it's okay to voice your opinion if you do have a soapbox or a platform to do so? Well, I think, first of all, it's okay for anybody to do what they want to do. Everybody's got different careers and different perspectives and different approaches to that. So I'm not going to knock anybody else's approach. Um, For me, it it varies. I mean, I I understand why people don't want to hear artist political beliefs. And if you're just coming out and talking politics, I, I can understand that being a turnoff. Um, but if it's in your art or it's part of your music or part of what you do, that's part of the package. And I, and I, and I get real bothered by people trying to, to, uh, you know, tell me, well, I like what you do, except when you do this. Well, uh, that's your problem, not mine. And, and I'm writing about life. And sometimes, you know, politics is a part of that. I, I, I don't write a whole lot of overtly political stuff. Um, a bit more on my last couple of records. But, uh, um, uh, but you know, I slipped my point of view in there. And I, uh, um, and I think I sh- as I should. But I, I'm always drawn to guys like, like Todd Snyder does it uh, really well. I was having this conversation with my son the other day. My, my son is... A teenager and 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 is you know pretty m- militant in his 
political beliefs at the moment as many teenagers are. He thinks he knows everything. And 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 um and what I was trying to say to him is, is I have people of, of a different political persuasion than I am who vote differently than I do, who are better people than I am. They're better fathers, they're better citizens, they're better husbands, um, they're better at their jobs. Uh, I'm not going to write them off because of how they voted. Uh, and and you know, I'm not going to tell you what to believe either, but I, just as a, as a parent, I just want you to try and have an open mind uh, to people. And so as, as, a, as a listener, when I hear artists um, going into that realm, I, I support them. Um, I, I think that a more effective way to do it is rather than preach to the choir, um, you know, you need a good protest song now and then, and you need to have things that get people fired up. But I, I love guys like Todd Snyder, and he always says, I don't write these songs to change anybody's mind. I write them to ease my own. And I always think that's a great way to disarm the idea of I'm not judging you. I'm not trying to attack you, but I am sharing what I feel and, and writing characters or from points of view that can express some empathy, show some empathy, and maybe expose you to a point of view that maybe you haven't thought of where you come from. Um, and I think that's a healthy way to navigate that stuff is is to treat each other with respect and and say, you know, maybe you haven't seen this perspective. Um, uh, I think people tune out when you start the name calling. I know I do. So I try to limit that. I haven't been entirely successful at it, but uh, um, um, but I, I, I try to be respectful of my audience. I love that. Um, it's very diligent. And I think that it's a, a great way to be. And I, and I have become better myself maturing into midlife of accepting more points of view and being more understanding and listening and becoming more of a sponge and not the one that needs to be talking all the time. Um, the interruptions, the the stuff that you could control if you really care and you really respect somebody else. And it comes in different times in life. Like you said, your teenage years or your early twenties, you might not be there, but I, I take a lot, I take a lot of pride in, in, in being able to see, and listen to a lot of different people that might not necessarily have come from the same walk of life as myself or raised the same as I was. Um, two questions, Mr. Hayes, Carl, even though you're younger than me, can we do this again? Because we haven't even talked about drunken poetry, which we did a little bit, but we haven't got into it. Um, K Mag yo, yo, uh, there's so many songs that I, or, or, or lyrics more per se, that I'd like to touch on. I'd like to do it again. I don't know if you enjoy talking to me like I enjoy talking to you. It's always one of those things where you're like, I don't want to just be an interview of like, hey, here's a question, here's a question, here's a question, just give me all this answer. I'm trying to be more conversation-wise, but I'm just so intrigued by your career. Um, I'd like to do it again. And second, I see the guitars there. Would you ever play a song on a podcast like this, like Brant or some of the other artists have, or is that disrespectful to ask somebody like Hayes Carl of just like, Hey, will you play a song for us without you saying, Hey, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm open to request right now. Uh, yeah. So for your first question, yes, I'd love to come back and, uh, uh, we can, we can tackle the next part of my career or just, uh, you know, shoot shit and talk and have fun. Um, and your second question, uh, I'd be happy to play a song if that's, if that's what you're asking, not disrespectful oh, at all. Well, yeah. I, I look at your career as this of 
to have have it on this podcast, first of all, means everything. I mean, look at I mean, you're singing songs with Kevin Costner. I mean, the guy was in Dances with the Wolves and Bull Durham, man. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Kevin freaking Costner here. Um, congratulations on such a storied songwriter career. Um, I can't wait to see you again live. I love seeing you at the merch stand. I don't know if you do that anymore, but I, 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 I want to just let you know that what your music has done to us, my brothers, my mom, my, the employees that work in our office, I love it. If there's any way that we can ever help of promoting it or showcasing it, like we do with some of the other artists we work with, consider it done, man. It would be an honor, a humbling experience to be able to associate ourselves with your music and your songwriting. Thank you very much for being here, Hayes Carl. We're going to leave the audience. If you have any closing words, please do so now, my man. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I appreciate all that. That's uh, humbling to me. Um, and, and it means a lot. This this year has been such a challenging one. And and uh, I just have so much gratitude for for the kindness and generosity and humanity I've seen from so many people uh during this time so uh anyway i'm grateful to be here and i appreciate everything you're saying and uh other than that um i just realized i need to i need to step about 10 feet away to get my guitar pick but is there a song a particular song you'd like to hear i was going to give you a choice of two if that's okay, okay. i was going to say sure, either sure. drunken poets or i'm going to say uh shouldn't have stayed so long if you can do either one of those um i would be okay. blown away do you mind if i have my brother come in to hear this and introduce you to my brother who's a huge fan too he couldn't believe that you were coming on either do you mind not at all Let me, i'm gonna grab a guitar pick and I'll, I'll be right back give me five seconds okay my man i'm gonna get him right. can you hear me hayes yeah huh yeah can you hear me hayes this is my brother clay hey clay how are you Good, how are you, buddy? This is one of our producers. Good, good to and, meet you. Uh, this is Tom behind us. Howdy. Hey, Tom. This good is Hayes you, Carl, the, the man. All right. Can't wait. Th which one did you decide on? Let's do uh, Drunken Poets. Oh, man. I gave him a choice. I gave him a choice of two. This is the song that they've been playing on the most of. All right. So I, re I recorded uh, a record during this pandemic um, here, and uh, I'm in this little uh, back house at my place we call it the dog house and um i did it all remotely i recorded my stuff here and and then uh a great producer named daryl scott put some instruments on it but it was it was mostly all songs i'd recorded earlier in my career and i just kind of wanted to take another look at and one of them was drunken poet stream and i asked ray wiley hubbard if he would sing on it so he uh uh, he flew in his vocals and we put it together and then we talked trash at the end of the track, which was funny because we didn't see each other. Um, so I just, I just said some stuff to him and then sent it to him and then he responded and dropped me in the grease. Um, so it was fun. It's one of my favorite recordings I've ever had just to, just to, to get to have that back and forth of Ray because he's got it on his record and I've cut it on mine and, and now we both got it on one. Let me so, ask you this real quick before you go. Yeah. Is it, when you say Daryl Scott, is this the, um, is this the songwriter Daryl Scott that did yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a Great Day to Be Alive and all these? Yeah. yeah. Absolute. I just love his stuff. But um, I just want to say, audience, thank you guys very much for being here. Another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody to have Hayes Carl on here it is truly humbling. We've been listening to him, like I said, since 2005. We're going on 16 years 
of listening to songs like this. This is Drunken Poets Dream. We'll leave you with this. Thank you guys very much for supporting the sponsors and partners that support us. Thank you to Jack Daniels. Hayes, Carl, thank you. This is Drunken Poets Dream. All Oh, it's true.